Today we're going to start with, in uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. And then we're going to uh, jump over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We started this uh, new year with a theme of breakthrough. And how many realize that God is a God of breakthrough? Amen? When it seems like you're walled in, when it seems like the enemy has you just cornered and you can't go forward, God gives us a breakthrough. We started the year off looking at David, where King David uses that phrase. He says, God gave me a breakthrough and against the enemy. And so this, I'm believing, is a year where God gives us breakthrough. Last week we talked about salvation breakthrough, that we're believing God to save our friends and our family members, to bring the prodigals back home. We, we pray, Lord, let this be a year of salvation breakthrough. Amen? And today we're going to talk about a breakthrough of love. Because how many realize that we need God's love? If there's one thing we can't do without as a, as a body in Christ, as a congregation that comes together in fellowships, we cannot do without the love of God. This week, I was watching the news and, and just some of the horrific things that are taking place in our country and around the world. Our world needs the love of God. I, I saw one instance where... They, they, a camera videoed it in one of our cities and a man had a baseball bat and he just comes up behind this woman and just takes the baseball bat and hits her in the head and knocks her down to rob her. You just can't fathom those things. And we need the love of God to transform our nation. Amen? Um, before I go any further, uh, we have some special guests with us today. From the South, from, is it South Carolina and, and Alabama? Okay. South Carolina and Alabama. And uh, they're, they're the scouts for their churches because their churches are going to bring, uh, bring a team of, of workers to come and to bless us this summer. So I, I want, to, would you stand, Ed and Allison? And, and, what's your name? I'm for, Kathy? Okay, this is Ed, and Kathy is his wife, and they're from South, no, they're from Alabama, and this is Allison, and she's from South Carolina, and they're going to bring a team of 35 people to come to help do some things around our church. Amen. So we bless you. We are honored to have you here today. Let's look at this passage of Scripture, 1 John chapter 4. Let's begin with verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. I love how it starts off. God commands us that we, he, first of all, he tells us that we're loved. Beloved. Turn to somebody and tell them, God loves you. <laughs> Some of you don't look too convinced. Tell them again, God loves you. How many have ever had a time in your life when you felt like God probably didn't love you? It's the devil lying to you. You are beloved. And then it, it, John goes on and says, let us love one another. We're loved 
by God, so we need to love others, just like God loves us. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. The greatest manifestation of God's love is Jesus. If you want to know how how God feels about you, you look at Jesus. Amen? Jesus left the glory of heaven and became flesh. He became man. He lived in this world. He he went through a lot of the things that we go through in this world, but without sin. And then he went to the cross for us. Aren't you thankful for that? We never get tired of the cross, do we? Amen. Paul said, I glory in nothing but the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we glory in that cross. But that speaks to us of the great and the wonderful and the amazing love of God. So many people in the world today that are blinded to the understanding of of Jesus and what he's done for them. They struggle with the cross. They think, why would anyone die on a cross, that brutal, horrible death for other people? It's because God has a divine love that's greater than any other love that we experience. Amen? It's a selfless love. It's a love that he doesn't consider what it's going to cost him, but he loves us in spite, even when we're not lovable. How many have ever been not lovable? All of us have, right? In the Greek, there are four words that are commonly used for love. One of those is phileo, which is love among friends. It's having a friend that is so close, they're more like a brother or a sister to us. And that love is what we should have in the congregation, that we're family. Even though we're not biologically related, a lot of us, we're, we're family. We love one another. We have that phileo love. Sorge is another Greek word for love, and it pertains to family relationships and obligations. And in a family unit, the enemy's trying to destroy the family in our nation. But there should be a love of family where we're there for one another, where we encourage one another, where we stand with one another in the, in the midst of the difficult things in life. The, another word is eros, and that's the sensual relationship between a man and a woman and and this this type of love I want you this isn't our topic today but I want to take this opportunity especially with our young adults and teenagers our world has a distorted view of eros love don't get caught up in what the world says is love because it's not are you with me God created us as sexual beings. And you're going, oh, I can't believe the pastor said something about sex in church. (laughs) God created us that way. 
Amen? He created it to be a fulfilling relationship, and it's to be with one man and one woman in a committed, godly relationship. I know that isn't politically correct today, but that's truth. That's what the Bible says. So anything outside of God's boundaries is less than what God intended for us. And that's what we need to understand. God doesn't say, you know, this is how you have sexual relations. It's only between a man and a woman in marriage in no other way just because I want to spoil your fun. He's saying, this is the most fulfilling way and anything outside of that is missing the mark. It's sin and it's not going to be the fulfilling relationship that I want you to have. Amen? Kids, wait until you're married. And I know that the, our culture is totally against that. They say, oh, our, our kids have urges. Let's pass out birth control in the schools. And church, we need to gather around our kids and protect them and tell them, God has a better way. God has a better plan. And your life will be blessed when you follow his, his guidelines. Amen? I could preach a whole message on that, but that's not the topic today. The topic is the fourth type of love. And this word is used the majority of the time in the New Testament. And it's agape. Agape love. It's divine love. It's love from God. And you only experience this love when you open your life and your heart up to Jesus Christ. Amen? And agape love is selfless love. It's a love that, that you know, as a husband or wife, you, you, you love one another, but there's a love that's greater. It's a divine love. And I want to tell you this. God intended for this agape love to be experienced by each one of us, but also that, we, that agape love would fill our relationships. Think about that. Think about it. Our relationships. I'll tell you right now, I can't love Melinda like God wants me to love her without his love flowing through my life. I can't love my children or my grandchildren the way God wants me to unless I say, Lord, fill me with your love, your divine love, and let your divine love flow through me that I can just share that love of God with them. And that's what God wants. And he wants that divine love here flowing between each and every one of us. God's love is amazing. Amen? Just to think about, like Todd said a moment ago, why did God create us? He needed to express that love on, on creation. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen? I am. Again, 1 John, the, just the four, chapter 4, verse 7 again. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So love is, is at the heart of everything. It's vital. It's essential to the church. And the, the world today needs that love. They need to see that love in us. Love comes into our lives through one door. 
I mentioned it a moment ago. Divine love only comes from a divine source. Amen? Jesus said in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, Beloved, let us love one another, for the love of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Now, John 10, 10, listen to what Jesus said. This is the chapter about being a great shepherd. Listen to what he says. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. There's no other door. In this illustration, Jesus is speaking of being a shepherd, and the shepherd would have a sheepfold, and there would be walls and thorns around the, on top of the, the walls to keep out the predators. And at the gate, the shepherd would commonly sleep at the gate to protect from anything of the enemy coming in to get the sheep. And there's a picture there that he's using. He's saying, I am the door. There is no other door, church. The world wants to tell you, well, all religions are the same. They're not. We're not talking about religion today. We're talking about the love of God that's divine and a relationship that he wants to have with us. In fact, in John chapter 14, Jesus makes it even clearer. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Church, we need to be bold in these last days and share the love of God and tell people, you know, we're not haters against other religions. We just have the truth of Scripture. There's divine love that you're never going to experience outside of Jesus Christ. It's only through Him. There is no other way to experience the divine love that God has for us outside of His Son. Now, in the, the greatest statement of love is found in 1 Corinthians 13. How many have ever read that passage? <laughs> we cite it many times at weddings, and it's a beautiful passage. There's never been anything in literature that compares to what God's Word says about love here. So I want us to look at this passage. It's a familiar passage to us, but I pray the Lord would just enlighten us that it would be fresh on our hearts today. Verse 1 of chapter 13 in 1 Corinthians. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging symbol. So he starts off with addressing the fact that we can be eloquent with, with human words or we can speak in heavenly language, but it's sounding brass. It's an annoying noise without love. Think about that. You could pray in the Spirit for an hour, and if you don't have love, it's just an annoying noise. That's powerful, isn't it? Look at, look at verse 1 again. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and, the understand, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains... But have not love, it profits me nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, 
And though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. That is powerful, isn't it? There's four gifts, spiritual gifts that are mentioned in in those few verses. Prophecy, understanding mysteries, all knowledge and faith. He's saying there that the gifts of God are for the church, but the church operates in love. Bottom line, everything we do needs to be saturated and penetrated with the love of Jesus. Everything that we do. I love that challenge. And church, I want to be more like Jesus. How about you? I want to break through in love this year. I want to minister to people. And when I preach, even even times when when I address hard subjects, I want the love of God to permeate that message and the love of God to fill our auditorium that when people come in, they begin to weep because of the presence of God. The love of God is manifested here because we welcome Him, we love Him, and we love people. I want, I want to go through the other verses. Let's, let's jump down and look at verse 4. Love suffers long and is kind. Love suffers long and is kind. So love is durable. There's a durability. And there's tolerance. And sometimes we stop there. Sometimes we think, well, I know I've got to love everybody because Jesus told me to love them. And there's somebody that we don't particularly like or we don't, they just kind of rub us wrong. And so we say, well, I've got to, I've got to tolerate them. Come on. You've been there. You've done that. Something about them just rubs you wrong. You don't like to be around them. So you say, well, I'm going to tolerate them. God's Word says I've got to tolerate them. But it's not about coexisting. It's about tolerating them or enduring them and being kind to them. Amen? That's what love does. Love recognizes that I may not Always like Pastor Todd. I do like him, but I'm just using him as an illustration. (laughs) Say, say, I don't like him because he's got more hair than I do. (laughs) So I just tolerate him. But it's not just tolerating. It's not just coexisting. The divine love of God will will enable me to hang out with him, to be kind to him, to want to do things even with him, even though... There's something about him that rubs me wrong. That's amazing, isn't it? And I do love Pastor Todd, don't you? Yeah. So love suffers long. It endures. There's a durability. But it's more than just coexisting. It's being kind. It's it's a tolerance that moves to acceptance. Where we accept them. The way they are. The way God created them. With the idiosyncrasies that we may not like God created them for and another one in the fourth verse love does not envy love does not parade itself love is not puffed up so there's no covetousness in love how many of us have ever been entrapped with seeing a fellow brother or sister in Christ that was just God was just blessing them maybe it's their business is blessed they've got a 
an awesome home and an awesome car and God's just blessing them and you see that blessing in their life and so you just kind of say, God, why don't you bless me like that? I'd like to have that. That's a trap. True love rejoices and is thankful and happy for them. When, when your brother or sister gets a new car, hallelujah, praise God, he blessed you. You get a new house, praise God. You get a new job or your business is doing good. You are thankful for them and you don't covet what they have. That's genuine love. This verse also talked about puffing yourself up or not, or inflating your value. And all I'm going to say about this is when you see yourself like Jesus sees you, you're not going to need to puff yourself up. We, we make the mistake sometimes and we don't look at ourselves the way Jesus looks at us. He looks at us as his special creation. He's, he loves us and he wants to show us off to the world what, what a life is like when it's surrendered to God and what he can do with a surrendered life. And so we don't have to puff ourselves up or, you know, go out and, and buy something to try to compensate because we don't have a good self-worth. If you see yourself like God sees you, you will have a godly self-worth and you won't need to try to puff yourself up. Amen? And if we're allowing that love of God in our lives and we see ourselves like Christ sees us, then we, we, we're not only going to not puff ourselves up, but we're also not going to think too highly of ourselves. Because we can fall into that trap too. Think, boy, God gifted me. I've got it. I've got the goods. I can sing or I can play or I can teach. I can, I can do this. I bet God looks down and says, I'm so glad he created him. <laughs> so the key is to see ourselves. Genuine love sees ourselves as unique, one of a kind, with giftings and talents to be used by God but we recognize that we're nothing without Him. And we also recognize that we can do all things with Him. And that He has a plan for our life and a purpose for our life. So we don't give in to puffing ourselves up or condemning ourselves either. Next, number five. Look at verse five. Love does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own does not provoke, thinks no evil. So let's, let's look at these for a moment. Love does not behave rudely. It, it really just hurts me when I see Christians being rude to other people. Being rude, you know, especially to non-believers. Why would they want to accept Jesus if the Jesus people are being rude to them? And what's interesting in this word, it, this word that's used and translated rudely in the New Testament, it was also used as a, as a word that meant there were sexual overtones. 
So there were sexual innuendos. So if if you're at work or, or men, if you're out hunting and stuff, you don't talk like that. It's rude. It's not... It's not of God. It's not divine love. Next it says, not provoked. Not provoked. (laughs) How many would say you struggle with this once in a while? (laughs) Like when somebody cuts you off. What's your response? (laughs) Jack Hayford Tells a story about himself that I love. He, he was picked up at the airport. He had an engagement to speak at a church. And they sent a young man to pick him up and chauffeur him to the church. And, and on the freeway, someone, someone was driving just crazy. And they cut him off. And, and, you know, he has to slam on the brakes to keep from hitting him. And, and Jack's in the back seat and gets tumbled around. And, and uh, you know, Jack was thinking, oh, and the, the young man says, Jesus, I ask for you to protect that person right now. And Jack said he felt like this big. He said, here I am traveling all over the world speaking to people, and I was provoked. (laughs) All of us can fall into that trap. That's not divine love. Divine love enables us to overcome when somebody cuts us off and say, Lord, protect them. Help no one to be in an accident. Lord, if they're drunk or impaired in any way, help them to pull over or help the cops to pull them over. Lord, just protect us. Amen. So don't be easily provoked. I I found out something else about being easily provoked. The older I get, I mellow out. I'm not as easily provoked as I used to be. (laughs) And I pray and hope that it's the love of God maturing me and working in me. Also in this passage, it says, thinks no evil. Love doesn't think evil. Now, I don't think that most Christians, you know, set out a time and say, I'm going to think evil thoughts today. How can I steal a car? I don't think that's what it's talking about. Where it says, I, I, I think no evil, I think it's talking about actually, it's, it's translated in some passages of, or other books, like the New English Bible, it translates it this way. Love does not keep a score. Or Philippians, or Philip's translation, love keeps no account. And I think in the original language, that's what, it's pointing to. So it's not saying, well, I'm going to think about pornography today or how I can steal or kill somebody. It's saying as a Christian, when somebody hurts you, when somebody wounds you, don't go over and over and over that in your mind. And you know what I'm talking about. All of us can, can fall into this trap. We can, we can have somebody hurt us and wound us. Years ago, Melinda and I had a pastor. I was a young guy and I was helping on staff and he, he called me into the office and, and had the whole deacon board there and started making accusations against me like I was trying to take over the church or something. And nothing could have been further from the truth. I loved him and I loved the people. And it wounded us. Melinda and I just got up and said, that's not true. And I'm not going to sit here and let y'all make these accusations against us. But I went home and I thought, I, it was stuck in my mind. How could he do that? And I'd get a scripture and I said, I need to quote this scripture at him. 
You know what I'm talking about. I'm going to, I'm going to, and I even sat down and I wrote a letter and I filled it up with, with uh, scriptures saying how he did wrong and how he shouldn't have done that to me. And it, I was just going over and over in my mind. And then, it re, then I realized, Lord, that's not right. And so I stopped that and I forgave him and I said, Lord, you just deal with him and Lord, you bless that church. And that's the divine love of God. Amen? Where we're not keeping scores about who has wronged us, who has wounded us, who has hurt us, but we give it back to Jesus. And we forgive it. I love that. How about you? Amen? It's a dangerous thing. Sometimes when that happens, I've heard people say, I'm never going to forgive them for that. I've heard people say that. And that's so dangerous, church. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says in verse 14, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Oh! Church, we have to give it to Jesus. We have to say, Lord... They hurt me, they wounded me. And it's not saying that what they did is okay or that it was right. But it's saying, Lord, I surrender them to you. Lord, you deal with them. You know what they did. You know it hurt me. But Lord, I give that hurt to you. And Lord, take that hurt away from my life. Heal me, Lord. And Lord, I forgive them. Why do we need to do that? Why does God tell us to do that? Because his intent is for the forgiveness that he shows us to flow into our lives and flow through our lives to others. And there's nothing that is ever done to us that is worse than what we have done towards God in our sin and rebellion. And if he forgave us, church, we have to forgive too. Amen? So love keeps no accounts. Look at verse 6. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Our nation has shifted so far from its Judeo-Christian roots that we are now celebrating evil in this nation. We're celebrating things that are contrary to God's Word. And church, we have to stand up for righteousness. We have to stand up for what is right. We rejoice in what's true. Church, what is true? Jesus is truth. He said, the verse I read earlier, He is the way, the truth. Truth is a person. It's Jesus. And His Word is truth. Amen? He is the living Word. So we rejoice in the Word of God and what it teaches us. We rejoice that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The first and the last. He's the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lily of the Valley, and the bright morning star. And we rejoice in Him and what He's done for us. But church, we have to also 
stand and not rejoice along with our culture when our culture's rejoicing in things that are ungodly. The Biden administration just hired someone in their nuclear waste area of government and he is openly just weird. <laughs> I mean, he's about as ungodly as you can get. And church, we don't hate those people. We love them. We pray for them. Because they are deceived by the enemy. And we welcome them. We want to bring them and tell them what Jesus does for us, what He's done in our hearts and lives and what He'll do for others. The church as a culture celebrates these things. As a church and as Christians, we can't rejoice in unrighteousness. We can't, un we can't rejoice in iniquity, in sin. We rejoice in the truth. Amen? We're almost done. Look at verse 7. Love bears all things. Loving people are willing to overlook shortcomings of others. But beyond that, we even want to help them. We want to come, come alongside. It's one thing for us to say that, well, Pastor Todd isn't really good on computers, and it irritates me that he's not. But I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to suffer through it. And then it's another thing to say, hey, Pastor Todd, I, I've learned a lot of things in computers. Can I come over to your house and help you? Yeah. <laughs> now, this is totally a bad illustration because I'm not good on computers and he is. <laughs> but love doesn't just suffer with it. Love goes and tries to make a difference. Love accepts and love comes alongside and helps them to, to grow and to develop and, and to be better. I love that. Not just bearing with it, but helping others. Look, look at the next one. Love believes all things. This is difficult for us sometimes. Love believes all things. Love doesn't just give up. Love is faithful. Love, in spite of their shortcomings, trusts people. And, and we need to trust one another, church. The times that we're living in are difficult and dark, and we need to have a family of God that we can trust in. A family that has our back, right? That we love one another and we're going to be there for one another. And that's what it's talking about. Ha having that trust, believing in someone. And it's also encouraging them, kind of like what I was talking about with Todd, where, where we encourage people in things that they may struggle in. And we encourage them, well, God's not done with you yet. God will help you do it. God will see you through. Are you with me? That's what love does. Love says, don't give up. Keep on. Go ahead. I'm going to encourage you. You can do it. And the next one says, love hopes all things. Love always says there's hope. 
There's hope in Jesus. There's hope that he can turn things around. There's hope all the way. It doesn't matter how dark the situation is, how difficult it is. There's always hope in Jesus Christ. Hope's all things. And then he ends with love endures all things and love never fails. Love perseveres. We stand firm in the midst of our trials and our hardships. In Ephesians chapter 6, it says, when you've done all you can do to stand, stand therefore. That, that divine love of God is going to continue to stand in the midst of the battle. It's not going to give up. It's not going to give up on a family member or a friend that doesn't know Jesus. It's not going to give up that God can't turn things around. It has hope. It, it understands God is able. There's nothing impossible for our God. And love never fails. Paul ends his description of love with this last phrase. Love never fails. And I, I like that. What is, what is Paul saying that love never fails? Well, that just like God, every, his nature, his being, his love, and he, everything he does is permeated with love. Even God's wrath, listen church, even when God lifts his hand of protection and wrath comes, it's still permeated with love. In the Old Testament, people struggle with this all the time. How can God tell the Israelites to go and to wipe out that nation? Well, if you study that nation in history, they were involved in murdering their children, presenting them in the fire, and, and they, were, they hated the Jewish people, and they were coming against them. And it's just like a doctor, a surgeon, comes in and removes a cancer from your body so that the cancer doesn't spread, that's what God's wrath does. When he says, go and wipe them out. They had reached a point that God, who knows the beginning and the end, knew that they weren't going to ever turn back to him. They were going to continue to get worse and worse, and they were going to infect the other nations. So God says, for the, for the better of humankind, we're going to do surgery. So even in God's wrath, it's permeated with love. And what, what is Paul saying there? Love never fails. He's saying, whatever you do, let the divine love of God fill your life and flow through you. And that divine love of God will never cause you to fall. That's the word in the original Greek, to fall. So even when you have to use tough love, tough love is a real thing. And there are times, but it's not getting even. It's not trying to hurt someone. It's doing something that is tough on them, but it's done in love because you know in the end that is the best thing for them. So love never fails. I want to ask the worship team to come. And I want to challenge you today, church. Let's welcome God's divine love, His awesome love to mature us and to, to grow us up in His love. I want to love people that to the world seem unlovable. 
I want to minister that love of Jesus to people. And that's why, as a, as a church, we welcome everyone. We welcome somebody, if they're homeless, to come in. We're not going to say, no, you smell. We don't want you here. And I've been in churches that had that attitude. This is a hospital for the hurting. And we want to welcome people, no matter where they are, we want to see them with the love of God, hear them with the love of God, and minister to them in the love of God. You know what? If we have a breakthrough of God's love in our lives and in our families and in our church, that love of God will break through in our community and we'll see our community transformed. Will you stand with me? As we close today, I'm going to ask our prayer team members to stage themselves around the auditorium. Some will be in the back and some in the front. Some even in the balcony. Pastor Todd's headed that way. Because we're a church that believes in prayer and we believe in praying one for another. And the first thing I want to invite you to come if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, if you never in your life made a commitment to Him, if you never opened your heart to the love of God, I want to pray with you personally. I invite you while we, while we open the altars for prayer that you would come down and I want to pray with you. And I'll pray with, with you about other things too. But if you've never accepted Jesus, you don't know that divine love. Because that's the only way that you can ever know the love of God. And that love is greater than any love that you'll ever experience. If you have any other needs today, you'd like someone to come and to pray with you concerning a, a trial, a tribulation, something you're going through, or just to intercede from somebody for someone. That's why our prayer team's here. Because Jesus said, where any two agree is touching anything on earth, whatsoever they shall ask of the Father in heaven, it shall be done. It's the power of praying with a brother or sister in Christ. So as the worship team begins to play, would you find someone today and just bring whatever need you have to the Lord today?